Welcome to the wonders of Thedas. Welcome to the Wonders of Thetis podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. And I am Jessica. It's just us two today. Everyone yep. else is busy. Jerks. Jerks. It's a busy time of year. Stupid friends having <laughs> lives and stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought about doing some Halloween stuff for this, just completely releasing that before it's a Halloween, but... Ooh. Ooh. Happy the Halloween. spooky episode. That was the entire part of it that was spooky. I mean, it's pretty spooky awesome, the thing we're talking about. Spooky awesome. So, so awesome. That's an appropriate set of adjectives to put together. Yeah, it's so scary and super cool at the same time. Go poop yourself. This is a terrible Halloween. <laughs> Every Halloween! This was a trick. <laughs> um, I guess we should probably move on. Yeah, that'd, that'd be good. I don't know if they can see the look I'm giving you because, no, you know, I'm, I'm not glad, there, I'm but I bet can. they can feel it. They'll feel it, and they'll, they'll, know, they'll notice me shrinking into the back of the room, even though I haven't moved. <laughs> so, um, we got a cool show for you guys today. Uh, why don't you sit in and we'll talk a little bit about what's going on this week in Thetis. You aren't worried I'll just make it up as I go? Not at all. You'll need to hear the whole story. Welcome to This Week in Thetis. We've not got a lot going on for the Dragon Age tabletop RPG, but for those of you who are Dragon Age fans and are collectors, there's a couple of exciting things coming out. Plushy! Yes! Uh, if you guys keep up with uh, Sanshi, who is a company that makes stuff for various fandoms, one of them being Dragon Age, and coincidentally they also do Mass Effect, they just started coming out with a collection of collector's plushies. You probably have already seen Dorian. Uh, Chris Framus was... No, Chris Framus bought an extra one for his bought one for his wife who had already gotten one, so he was oh. taking them all around the con with him. Uh, and I, I, I watched it. It was uh, on Twitter. It was pretty fun. But um, in addition to Dorian, now the collection includes uh, a tiny plushie of Cullen, a tiny plushie of Cassandra, and a tiny plushie of Morrigan. Yep. And if you get your own Cullen, then you if you get the the pre order pack, you can also get a Mabari of your very own. Every Ferelden needs. Every Ferelden should come with a Mabari. Yes. Just the way it Every works. single one. <laughs> Unless you're Dalish, maybe then you don't have to. I, I guess so, yeah. Fair. I mean, not that it wouldn't be cool. Mm-hmm. Mabari are great. And uh, if you Mabari. pre-order Cassandra, you can also get a Nug to go with her. To go with her. Is that right, Nugmeg? Yep. And he squeaks you... that thing <laughs> more often than you would expect. I like Nugmeg. I'm just letting Nugmeg voice me now. Yes, I see that. Yes. Uh, if you also <laughs> pre-order Morgan, you also get a Dorian to go with her. To go with her, have yeah. some fabulous mages come uh, come to your house. Mage party. Heck yes. So, in addition to a couple of collector's plushes from Sanshi, uh, Dark Horse Comics is making a new comic book series. Um, that this was I found happened to find this on Mike Laidlaw, uh, one of the writers for Dragon Age, on his Twitter, and I found the press release. They're also going to be doing a Dark Horse Comics is also going to be doing a coloring book, an adult coloring book for Dragon Age. They'll be using some of the art that's from the comic books they made. That's exciting. Yeah. They've also got some stuff for Mass Effect coming out, because they do a little bit of both. But, uh, so, plushies, uh, coloring books, comic books, what's not to love? Get some stuff. It's all good stuff. Yeah. So, um, 
We'll, uh, so as fun as that is, we'll get back to the Dragon Age tabletop RPG. Uh, and I think we'll do that by consulting the Codex. You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but... Oh, good. Thank you. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the Codex, everybody. Let's open our pages to some of our... We got two questions this time. Um, the first question comes from Parsival. Thank you again on the Green Running forums. Parsival is so great. Parsival <laughs> is always the first person who... Uh, almost always the first person to respond to our episodes and give us some feedback and give us a, almost always gives us a question for next episode. And it's, it's great. It's very helpful. It is very helpful. And if anyone else wants to, wants to jump on that bandwagan, then Parsival is an <laughs> excellent example. So... Parsival, you sent us a you sent us a uh, very meaty question, um, which we are going to truncate for time. But um, thank you for the context uh, for explaining everything. But um, your question was: uh, Do you think the video games, on the whole, skewed the views of their players against the Templar or against the Templar Order? Is this depiction fair, and should it be challenged? If so, how? And yeah, kinda. I think that it definitely made the Templars, because they put the Templars in power over mages, mm -hmm. and then put them in conflict, the fact that they had that power over mages, and it was expected that they were to have power over mages, mm -hmm. made them seem more like the aggressors. Because I, yeah. the mages had less ability to mm -hmm. legally protect themselves. Correct. The Templars, because they have the blessing of the Maker, were always in the right, mm -hmm. or at least law by the law, they are always within, always in the right. Mm -hmm. I think that if they wanted to depict them as depicted as a more even fight or as a more of a gray issue than mm -hmm. it seems to come out, I would recommend that they set up their. Uh, this is really something that can't happen at this point, mm -hmm. but if they were say to set them up as uh, organizations with equivalent amounts of soci sociopolitical power, mm -hmm. that would probably be something that would create the ability for both sides to be seen as major aggressors. Yeah. But If you uh, play through a lot of the side quests in Dragon Age 2, Dragon Age 2 actually does a great job of making sure that you know that there's a lot of tension between these two groups because neither of these groups is pure. Oh, no, no, no. Nobody is saying that, that's for sure. It's true, definitely, yeah. There but, are um, jerks all over the place in Dragon Age. That's just kind of mm -hmm. what makes it Dragon Age. Dragon Age 2 does a, does a pretty good job, I think, of challenging the fact that Templars are the sole aggressors, because there are definitely some mages in that game who do some pretty awful things. But at the but, same time, what other options did they have? It's true, it's true. Especially in Kirkwall, where the Templars are particularly oppressive. Yeah, if they, you know, they, without legal recourse, they kind of... This is the only avenue they've it got. Was, it was this or suffer. This or rot in a cell and do nothing. And if there had been other venues and other uh, sort of ways that they could have voice voiced or even fought with their discontent, mm -hmm. then that would have changed the story significantly and made it a much more balanced mm -hmm. sort of aggressor, you know, two different sides that were clashing and both sides were in the wrong end and the mm -hmm. right. The power balance, I think, is basically the thing that makes this what yes. it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, you can, you can, if you, especially if you're running a campaign in, in Dragon Age Inquisition, you can probably do a good job of that with the Mage Templar War going on, or even one that takes place between Dragon Age Two and yes. Inquisition. 
so you can play up the Mage Templar lore. That would be an excellent way to set yourself up with a a more balanced description of Templars versus Mages. Mm-hmm. Because for the first time, it, I mean, it's probably still not quite exactly egalitarian, but mm-hmm. these mages now have power. Yes. And are and are even starting to, you know, exercise more political power. Yes. And now the Templars actually are fighting on a slightly more even footing with the mages yep. in all aspects. So it definitely makes the Templars look more like somebody, you know, they, they look a little bit less like they're intended to be aggressors and more like one side of the conflict. Correct. Because this is definitely a complicated conflict and no one here is in the right, no one here is completely in the wrong. But, yeah, but getting getting to, getting to uh, a conflict where maybe your PCs are like a neutral party between uh, maybe like one faction of Templars and an equally, an equally powerful faction of mages. Mm-hmm. Um, and the PCs have to either kind of like walk the scale, walk the line between the two of them, or pick a side. Yeah, in my opinion, it's still very difficult to make the uh, it, just given the way the Templar Order has worked over time. Mm-hmm. It has. It seems very difficult to me to find a way to show them as the the wronged party, mm-hmm. simply because they are the ones with power and who it's have true. continued to have the most power. So, it sort of removes that option in a way. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't think people can play it that way. It's just very difficult for me to see it, like personally, mm-hmm. because generally the people with the power can just you know don't have to deal with quite as much in that regard. That's true. They don't have to deal with nearly as much persecution. Yeah. Because they because the other people the other folks who would persecute them just don't have the ability. And that's definitely not to say that there can't be super cool Templar characters. Correct. Because they're super candy. There's Cullen. I love Cullen. And there's Alistair, technically. Al- okay, Alistair's an ex-Templar. He's kind of a, he, he was kind of a Templar. He wasn't even a full Templar when he left. When Duncan found him in that training yard. Yeah. He was enough of a Templar that he could show you how to be a Templar, though, and he didn't even have to take delirium. He's my waifu. <laughs> he's, he's a good waifu. I love him. Mm-hmm. I should show you this blog I found called Hot Dads of Thetis. Well then, I think we've answered the question. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> about 500% done with that question. It's got cute art. Okay. It's cute. I'm pretty sure. Anyway. Um, oh boy. This next question uh, comes from Mason Kirksey, who sent it to us through our email. Um, thank you, Mason. Uh, we've also truncated your message just a little bit for time. Um, but your question was, uh, what is the best way to go about creating a pet-wielding archer character? My brother is going to play, and he will want to play a WoW-style hunter, combat pet, and bow-based attacks. And for those of you who aren't big in the MMO scene, mm-hmm. WoW stands for World of Warcraft. Yes. So, uh, you've got a couple options available to you. Uh, if, I if love you those go, questions. They're yes. Fun. If you want to go with bows, the gr- the, the, you probably don't want to go with mage. Uh, te- <laughs> Not a mage. <laughs> right. Technically, any class can take, uh, goodness, I think it's the animal training talent. So you could train an animal to work with you. Um, the Avar prefer falcon, falcons and other birds of prey. Ferelden's commonly train dogs. And uh, there are, and, it's, and, and other nations are going to have different kinds of pets uh, mm. that feel geographically appropriate. But any, any, class, any class can take uh, animal training. There's no requirement for it. So... You'll pr- if you want an animal companion, you will probably want to go with animal training first. 
I'm gonna also just because I think this is a great idea. I have no mm-hmm. idea how you would make it work. Yeah. Totally make a uh, a dwarven archer with a battle mug. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> I <laughs> would. I would give many things to see this character in action. Slash to illustrate this character. We, I might we, illustrate this character, we, whether or not he exists. Can we name the battle mug Knuckles? Knuckles. <laughs> Alright, I'll work with that. Okay, good. Cracking anyway. his knuckles. Okay, that is... He does actually, I think they do have Yeah, they hands. have knuckles. They have hands. They're huge. If they know how to use them, they can literally pull people apart. It's terrifying. That, that would be a fun one to <laughs> They do. are making a statement. That statement... <laughs> As regards archery, <laughs> yes, archery because archery is so heavily based in dexterity mm-hmm. and perception, mm-hmm. rogue would probably be a really strong choice for that. Yes. And as I recall, in the later levels, mm-hmm. like our you know, Talion just as we just hit level seventeen, mm-hmm. Talion just got something that seriously benefits her yeah. in the quick shot. Uh, yeah quick shot, um, which is a rogue specific yes. Talent, which is or rogue uh, specific ability. An extra attack is a minor action with a ranged weapon, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And rogues will also get that lovely class power, lethality, um, that you get to just add your cunning to your damage uh, when making ranged attacks. Yeah, so which, rogue is a good call yes, here. Rogue is a solid choice. Uh, if you want to be a bit more heavily armored, you'll probably want to go with warrior because you'll have access to more. Um, oh, you'll have access to heavier armors, and you'll also uh, have access to heavier weapons if you're if you want to switch up and go to melee. Um, That's true. But yeah, if you want to if you want to really go for the archery, rogue is a great way to go. And of course, uh, take animal. T- if you want an animal companion, uh, first uh, talk. Let's see. I, I think, if I recall, Mason, you're the GM. I think so. You can talk to talk to uh, your yeah, you. Talk to your you. Talk to your GM, who is you. Uh, about what kind of animals would be available and uh, what kind of stats they could have and whether or not the stats would go up as you char- as the character levels up and, and just kind of mm-hmm. how that's going to work. Yes, um, that's not something that generally happens. Yes. But, you know, that that is definitely something that would make a lot of sense if mm-hmm. you've got an animal, you know, fighting with you and gaining the experience. I mean, mm-hmm. they learn stuff too, yeah, so definitely. they should be able to level up and get tougher. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that's completely understandable. Definitely. Maybe, like, they can... Maybe not necessarily take talents, but maybe they can like gain ability advancements and fo- and uh, ability focuses at the same rate that the player mm-hmm. does, and gain hit points and whatnot. Specializations. Um, ah, Spirit healer Mabari. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> sure. I just took my favorite animal and Combine I took my them. favorite <laughs> my favorite specialization, and, and that's what you got. <laughs> this is what I got. This book's for you. <laughs> Also, feel free to look at how the Mabari works in uh, Dragon Age Origins. They get a couple of uh, special abilities that are pretty dang cool, especially if you level them up enough to get them overwhelmed. Then they can actually be pretty effective at crowd control. So consider that. Uh, for your consideration, animal training and archery-style talents, uh, know them, love them, and get to use them quick. Rogue mm-hmm. is probably a better, a good way to go if you want to be just archery. Well, and, and even uh, then, you can still do a lot with dexterity well, certainly, and hits yeah. and damage. You and still got the dirty fighting and the backstab. Yeah, and for example, Talion's gone duelist, mm-hmm. and that, especially if you've got, again, this spell comes mm-hmm. up, telekinetic weapon makes that mm-hmm. really powerful really quickly, even though it's very strong on its own. Yeah. I would go so far as to say that unless you're feeling like you want to be really strongly armored, mm-hmm. 
unless you really want armor, I would go with a rogue. Definitely. Um, if you're wanting to be a bit more of a, uh, an you know, an armored tank. Yeah. To go, like, maybe sometime, maybe more frequently flank with your animal companion. You can't actually flank in this game. Right. You but can outnumber, you can outnumber them. You can outnumber, yeah, outnumber with your animal companion. Then that would be when you would want to consider Falcon. But yes. you'll not do as much with your bow. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a possibility also maybe consider the ranger specialization because the ranger specialization is specifically about calling animals to come fight with you. Um, but the ranger specialization kind of assumes that you just call the animal for like one encounter and then the animal mm-hmm. just wanders off. Um, Not really so much a pet as it is right. like a temporary buddy. Yeah, you could call for an extra friend, which which could be fun. You know, if there's mm-hmm. bears around, you could make a friend with a bear for an encounter and then it just kind of wanders away and hopefully doesn't bring like three other freaking great bears with it to Ooh. just kind of watch the See, fight. Now I kind of want to do this and make the dark fantasy Disney princess. <laughs> Calling bears! <laughs> Bring in the <laughs> Yep. There's my friend. We can do a little dance number after he defeats all of my enemies. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the news will learn afterwards. So you're not, like, you know, just running away with he homeless can come and, He being can come conscious. and clean my house or something. <laughs> there we go, yeah. Good bear. Friend bear. That's a nice bear. So that would be our recommendation. Yes. For how to make that happen. Yeah. Thank you again for the questions, Parsifal, Mason. Yes, very much. Thank you, both of you. Yeah. If, if you, listening to the podcast, have a question about the Dragon Age RPG, any question of any kind, it can be a build question, it can be a lore question, it can be, uh, um, I've come up with a weird situation, what would you do in this situation kind of question, you can send that question or that situation in a message to podcast at gmail.com. You can send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, or SoundCloud accounts, or you can send a personal message to Conquer Protector on the Green Ronin forum. That's easy. Also, if it's a silly question, you can definitely send it. Because yeah. silly questions, we're, we're clearly never silly around here. No. So. Mm. Except for not talking about poop. Why is that still a thing? <laughs> Don't you know what I do for a living these days? I do. I come home to get away from that. <laughs> I teach toddlers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, I guess I guess I'll move on. Um, we're gonna go ahead and oh, sorry. <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and open our books to the dissonant verses. Did you ever wonder what lies at the edges of the map, past the seas? No. I think we have enough to worry about on this continent. <laughs> of course, but. <sighs> Welcome to the dissonant verses, our fan creation spotlight. We've got a couple good ones here for you. Uh, the first one comes from, let's see, well, both of these come from forum members. The first forum member, uh, Wired Wolf, uh, created something a little while, a while ago. It's called the Veil Codex. This Veil Codex is a whopping 45-page PDF, and it is a mage's best friend. So cool! Not only does it contain spell trees, like the ones we talked about last time, but it also groups spells of different schools into chapters along with appropriately themed specializations that specialize in the same school of magic. So if you turn to the um, creation chapter, you have you know, it will show you all the creation spells. It, like uh, he, he, he reprinted all of them into this PDF and like put the target numbers and the MP codes and everything into one place. Uh, he, of course, also includes a spell tree for creation spells specifically, and he also hey. lists... Uh, Goodness, he lists both the spirit healer and the 
Um, and the shapeshifter um, specializations, because they're both they both technically use creation spells. They do. Yeah. That's true. Interestingly enough, yeah. Yep. I want to eventually uh, print this whole thing out and keep it with me for all of my games, because that's just brilliant. Yeah, it's super. I helpful. love it. Yeah. I love the whole idea. Mm-hmm. They even go all the way down to uh, blood magic. It includes blood magic, uh, and it also includes a battle mage specialization that came from Dragon Age Origins, which is not in the tabletop RPG. And uh, well, Werewolf did a good job of converting it. I actually haven't gotten to see that part yet, so I really yeah. would like to. It's interesting. I think it was one of the spirit. No, no, it was one of the. It was one of the primal specializations, and it's up next to keeper. It's got some, it's it's an interesting specialization, which uh, it's probably why it wasn't. It, it's a, not necessarily that it was not converted because it was interesting, but because it's it's it was weird to convert. And they already kind of had the arcane warrior, which is kind of like the get up in your face. But it mage. sounds like this sort of provides mm-hmm. a new take on it. Yes, a battle mage and arcane warrior actually in the video games had a lot of synergy going. So if you got them both, you were pretty dangerous uh, when you're actually getting into and battle. I would assume this one is not dissimilar. It is not dissimilar. Uh, some of the abilities are pretty nice. A lot of them are like uh, pulling, uh, using, spending mana to take health from enemies. Now that's to keep yourself neat. going. Um, it can, I think it does drain your mana kind of quickly if you turn on some of the nicer spells. But you know, that's what just what happens. Literally everything that any mage does. <laughs> it's true. Um, so this is an excellent companion document for mages of all disciplines. If you are a mage, you should definitely check this out, and we'll have it on our website for you. The next four member, Draco Druid. Or Draco Druid. Uh, or Draco Druid. Whichever. Yes. I'm sorry, we don't uh, know. Let's see. Uh, Draco, uh, let's see. I, I, I like Draco. Draco. Okay. Draco Malfoy. Let's see. Draconic. Let's see. Draco Druid uh, created something that they call the Freeform uh, Age System. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. But this one is the Dragon Age edition of that because they also made a Fantasy Age counterpart. So that work of Fantasy Age specifically is an alternate method of character creation and growth that completely redesigns how you build your character from level 1 to 20. Um, instead of like odd number levels you get, like, you know, like even numbered levels you get a special, an advancement in a primary ability, an advancement in a secondary ability, uh, and you gain specific class powers based on your class, um, Freeform Dragon Age has no classes. Yeah, there's no classes in uh, in uh, Freeform Dragon Age. You simply build your character's abilities from the ground up, and they actually have hmm. um, so instead what you get instead of like ability advancements and focuses, you get advancement points, AP. Okay. That you can spend to completely kit out the character however you like. You can spend those stuff. You can spend those uh, AP on uh, getting an ability advancement. You can spend them on getting a focus. You can spend them on towards a, uh, a talent. Uh, you can spend them towards specializations. I think at the appropriate levels, um, you can spend them towards just getting a talent whenever you level up. You can uh, spend them towards uh, learning a new weapon group. You can let's see, so you can use this to really make any kind of character that you want, uh, not necessarily restricted to the class system. Uh, so if you want to build your character with heavy armor and spells, you can go for it. If you want great swords and stealth, you got no problem. Can do pretty you can you can and of course Draco Druid also made one for Fantasy Age. So if you don't want if you uh, if you feel like it's uh, like the class system is uh, holding you back a little bit, then Draco Druid's got you covered. Yeah, I can see this being really beneficial for mm-hmm. a group that wants a more fluid idea of how a character can develop. Yes, because you know it is entirely possible that someone could grow up 
knowing how to use great swords, and mm-hmm. then suddenly find out that they have magic. Yes. Or you know, and still be really good at great swords and magic. Yes, definitely. That'd be a really cool person. That'd be pretty cool. Sounds like one of my Pathfinder mm-hmm. characters, actually. <laughs> it, it, it kind of is. Uh, but yeah, Dragon Druids Freeform Dragon Age is going to give you unparalleled control of your character's growth. We are going to recommend, however, that you read over the whole document before you start using it. Mm-hmm. Especially for folks who are really used to how Dragon Age normally works, because it works very differently. Um, there are no because you have no classes. There are no class powers anymore. Um, you actually have to use APU to buy those class features again um, mm-hmm. in the form of talents. Um, they also ma- they also reworked I think the Blood Mage specialization and made I believe if I recall three new talents. Um, I think they made a toughness talent. They made uh, I think it's called warriors uh, warriors expertise or warriors stunt, mm-hmm. um, but you can or um, I think it's like specialized trick. But you can choose to like reduce the skill. Re- uh, you can take the talent and reduce the cost of uh, stunts, of certain stunts of your choice, because you are particularly good at that particular stunt. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. We'll just have to check it out. Yeah. And by that I mean you know. We've gotten a few. I haven't gotten a few different mm-hmm. ones. So. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely not use it in our campaign. We're already too far in. Yeah, well, I, I mean, mean, level seventeen is kind of yeah, point nearing of no. a bit of bit of an end. Bit of a point of no return by this point. Yeah, but um, I just got stoned drunk teleporting yes, to the open center map. I think it's great. Super cool. Anyway, so. Um, you can find all these submissions and more archived in our resources for your game page on our blog, wondersofthetispodcast.wordpress.com. If you'd like to let us know about some custom Dragon Age RPG content or send us your own, you can send them in a message to wondersofthetispodcast at gmail.com. Send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, Plus, or SoundCloud accounts, or send a personal message to Cotter Protector on the Preloading form. Share us your stuff. Do it. Always got more stuff to talk about, and I, we keep finding more cool things that you folks have made. And I still got some more things in the docket that we're going to be putting on later. So if you've got some, send it to us. We'll share it with the world. As long as you're cool with sharing. Yes, that, that is. You don't have to share. You don't have to. But we we would like to. Yeah. But, uh, so that's fun. Uh, folks are making cool stuff. Um, we're going to talk about uh, your characters. Uh, doing cool things as well so uh we're gonna call in the stunt uh, let's call in the stunt doubles because we're talking about stunts which is our main topic for today call in the stunt double we're gonna talk about stunts Stunts are neat. Uh, stunts are, I'd, I'd argue, one of the more exciting aspects of Dragon Age. And, and Fantasy Age. Yeah, and Fantasy Age by, uh, by, by proxy. Uh, they are a random element that kind of keeps the game moving and they keep you being fluid and you can give the heroes that last surge they need to triumph or for the villains to become the favorites. Yes, I love uh, I love when games provide things like that. Mm-hmm. Th- you know, advantage or disadvantage, yeah. or in this case, you know, abilities that either side can access that mm-hmm. can really strongly influence a battle one way or the other. Heck yes. Or a role-playing encounter, or an exploration encounter. Uh Uh-huh. And it's, uh, they're just, these in particular, our group has had a lot of fun with, and have gotten very creative with. Mm Mm-hmm. It's true. 
Uh, our group has a lot of fun with stunts. Um, they are a topic worth approaching because they're somewhat unique to Dragon Age and Life Arcs of Fantasy Age. Uh, so we've got um, a little list of things to talk about. We're going to just go down the list. Um, stunts themselves aren't necessarily a complicated subject, but they're worth a t- a subject worth talking about. Um, first thing we'll talk about is the most obvious one, just to make sure that we've got it all there for the folks in the back. Uh, how do stunts work? We, we've kind of covered this before quickly, but just so everybody's on the same page here. Uh, when you are rolling dice for an ability test, or for, uh, of any kind, opposed test, advanced test... Well, not necessarily any kind, and that yes. is an interesting thing to talk about later. Yeah, you got it. You're, you're, you're on it. I'm on it. Um, but when you uh, roll dice on an approved test, <laughs> um, and if any two of your dice uh, roll the same number, does not matter which two dice, um, you look at the dragon die, and, the, and that is the number of stunt points you get to perform, get to spend while you're performing your action. And that is an important distinction. It can be easy to get confused in this part of stunt points, mm-hmm. and I know people have been confused before about, okay, so I got, you know, I, I, I rolled 616, mm-hmm. and the one was the dragon die, so I got st- six stunt points, right, because that was the thing I got doubles on. Unfortunately, no. Yeah. You got one stunt yeah, point. Yeah, you got one stunt point. Excellent roll, but no. Good roll, but one stunt point to go with it. Mm-hmm. You're throwing a bon mot. <laughs> yeah, or a skirmish. Or a skirmish. Push yeah. somebody five, you know, one, one, uh, one yard. Well, yeah. Two yards. Yeah. That's what it is. Two yeah. yards. Yeah. Um, so anytime you roll doubles, uh, say, and uh, that is a, a common thing to shout in my ho- in our house when we're uh, when we're rolling playing this game. Doubles. 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 It definitely happens a lot, but you okay. get stun points equal to the dragon die result. You spend these points, uh, let's say, on on, uh, on, a, on a list of stunts that you can perform uh, alongside your action, and then, of course, um, it also assumes that the action that you are performing is successful. Yes, that is necessary. If that is a very important part of it. If you did not succeed, it doesn't matter if you rolled three sixes. Yep. you still don't get any stunt points. Correct. So that you have can to get remember, really depressing really yeah, quickly. Stunts are only going to happen on successful tests. Yep. Uh, but when you get Allied those stunt points, points uh, you get stunts. So when you get those stunt points, you can spend them on getting on you know completing your action that you were setting out to do, plus doing a little bit extra, mm-hmm. extra cool stuff. You can throw in the perfect witty one-liner, or you can uh, make it a particularly ruinous blow that gets underneath their armor, or um, you can seize the initiative and potentially get to go twice in the round, which is pretty fun. Um, but you have to spend these points right away. Mm-hmm. In that moment. In that moment. On that particular action. You do not get to save your stunt points for later. They have to be used right away. Uh, if you don't spend any stunt points after you've taken your action and you decide what stunt points you want to use, those stunt points are gone. Mm-hmm. And you'll have to roll some more later. So, uh, the list of available stunts uh, can be found uh, in the core rulebook on pages 54 for combat stunts, page 106 for spell stunts, and page 133 for exploration and role-playing stunts. And... If you guys are using spell expertise, talent, and doing advanced spell stunts, those are on pages 108 and 109. Yeah, whenever it is that you use them. Yeah. Did you get, did you take the talent? No. No? Okay, the talent is available to you. I know, but also the uh, wood arcana thing from Fantasy Age became yeah. available, mm-hmm. and that's way cooler. It's, it's neat. We're doing a little bit of cross-system stuff. It's fun. Because she's... Uh, re, uh, From Dalish, and I like making trees into stuff like carriages and fancy chairs. Yeah. And she does cool buildings. stuff. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, another another question that you uh, brought up masterfully. Can I roll stun points on any test? Kind of, is the answer. Sort. Sort of. Uh, GMs. Oh, oh, it's time for that one. Uh, well, there we time go. for our yeah. favorite sound bite. Talk, Talk to Talk to your GM. Uh, your GM should answer the question. In GMs, of course, you should know the answer to this question for your games. Uh, the core rulebook doesn't give a, a straight-up answer on this, but the core rulebook does let us know uh, that the GM has the right to uh, refuse you the opportunity to make a roll for something. Like, um, they say not necessarily because they don't want you to roll for it, but because they can assume that you are going to succeed on the roll, and you don't have to roll it, so stun points simply aren't going to be an option for you. Mm-hmm. There, uh, it's GM call is yes. pretty much the long and short of it. It's true. But uh, there are some players out there who will roll for every little thing that they do in that day to try and get stun points on those rolls and get above average results on everything they do in that day. So first, don't be that guy. Or gal. Or any variation thereof on. Don't be that person. I don't think we've had anybody do that. We haven't, thankfully, yes. We haven't had anybody like that. But uh, there could be like the folks who are like, oh, I'm going to go to market today. Uh, Better roll that constitution running test. Ooh, look, I got stun points. I'm going to do it in half the time. Now, there is something to be said for... You know, oh, I'm going to cast this spell. I can't fail the check, but if I get doubles, then I could cast something twice. You know, another yes. thing, and that would be extremely mm-hmm. beneficial to my that party. Is, that is worth bringing up. Just uh, be smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Use common smart, sense. Smart, not greedy. So common sense. Don't be greedy, but especially if you guys are, like, in combat and uh, things like, you know, like if you're casting spells and stuff like that. If you're casting spells, which Fast does casting roles. is always worth it. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it's going to be up to your GM's yes, choice. Yes, it's but still up to your GM. Yeah. But, um, especially for things like attack rolls and uh, things, especially when things start to get stressful, then stun points should be, uh, stun points should be within reach. Yes. However, we've had some interesting, uh, we've had some interesting ones come up that mm-hmm. we, in the end, decided weren't things that generated stunt points. Yeah. But, uh, stuff that other people may rule differently on. Yes. Like, for example, we've talked about how when we roll initiative, mm-hmm. Initiative does not cause you to accrue stunt points. Yes. Because it would be very, very easy for someone who gains stunt points on initiative to take the seize the initiative ability. Seize the initiative stunt. And then everybody goes at the top of the initiative. Correct. And And that just gets crowded. Right. And if you've got a lot of folks who do it, then who gets to actually go first? And then, you mean, it's just, it's, it's just difficult and it's not particularly helpful to anything and it doesn't really expedite the process. Yeah, yeah. So we, in the end, all agreed that on initiative, stunt points, not really a thing. Yeah. And And that is, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Also, uh, for example, another one that we decided no for stunt points on Mm -hmm. is the, when the rogue, when our rogue, when Callian is trying to make a backstab and is making her stealth test. Mm Mm-hmm. This is why she always generates, she ends up with doubles, because she can't generate stunt points on it. But there would <laughs> really na- not be much she could do with those stunt points. Right, she could skirmish, I guess. I mean, yeah, I guess that would be reasonable. So, yeah. like, it's not out of the, uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's not out of... Not out of the question, yeah. but also it's kind of a speed play along, keep things yeah. going. So there, there will be lots of corner cases. Definitely. You can send us those corner cases if you'd like our interpretation. Yeah, man. And we'll talk about it. We'd love to hear them. Yeah, definitely. Actually, send, send if you've got corner cases, please send them. We've got an episode coming up later. We're going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> but um, next que- next uh, thing we should uh, address is which stunts can you use? 
when you roll stunt points, what stunt points do you get access to? Just because it's a combat encounter doesn't necessarily mean that you're restricted to just the combat stunts, right? Technically, any stunt can be used in any role. Now, I imagine that's also one that's going to come under GM fiat. Like, yes. if your GM decides, nope, if you're in this kind of encounter, it's this kind of role, mm-hmm. that is something you're going to have to live by. Yeah. And it's reasonable, but it can be a lot of fun mm-hmm. to, say, use role-playing things in combat. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you get... So, you know, if you get enough points and you can get real salty with one of your enemies yeah. and they come after you instead of after your friends, then you've officially altered combat in a way, but you did it in a way that was very roleplay heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying um, to think of some good ways to get punchy, though. Yes, definitely. More fun that way. Um, we, I, I'm, I'm all for folks using things like the uh, the jest stunt during combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, it, it does not going to necessarily help the Yeah, combat, stuff that might not even help. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's going to make everyone laugh at them, though. Yeah. You can always flirt, I guess. Yeah. It might be a little difficult. <laughs> uh, and rage might be... Uh, That's the one of, I was talking about. That's a... <laughs> that's a... Uh, well, yes, yes. Um, and there's also... Uh, <laughs> and you re- use the enrage stunt, and they leave the combat. <laughs> I just can't... Walk away. Take this right now. Can't deal with I'm you right leaving. now. I'm All done right. with your stuff. <laughs> Um, or, and another thing. I love and another thing. I love that one. Stunts are fun, guys. You should you should definitely make, make mm-hmm. sure that you use them and have fun with them. Incidentally, we've also used exploration in combat encounters at times that are necessary. Yes. It's not as, infre- it's not as frequent, mm-hmm. but you can pretty much find a way in most yeah. unique situations. Mm-hmm. You can find a way to use any one of them. For rogues who are going to be doing a lot of backstabs, the With a Flourish exploration stunt is actually pretty useful because it gives you a plus and bonus on all opposed tests. Uh, until the timer the, uh, venue until changes. Until the timer venue changes. Which, which would also be you know, GM call. Right. GM call, of course, whether or not you should use it. But backstab uh, backstab attempts with either the bluff or the sneaking, mm-hmm. both of those are opposed tests. It's true. So you could just get a plus one on all those tests. However, be aware that it's hard to stealth with a flourish. It, yeah, yeah. It it's is. possible, like, you could just suddenly <laughs> cease to be there and everybody would be like, <gasps> but something a little bit silly about it. Oh, there we go. Let's see. And then, of course, um, another one I actually thought was kind of fun, I thought it was a cool idea, was using the taunt and threaten stunt during uh, during role-play encounters because the taunt uh, gives, uh, taunt gives uh, the uh, the subject a minus one penalty, on, let's see, a minus one penalty on attacking casting roll. Which maybe, won't be happening not. if you're role player. Yeah, maybe not. Um, you can still taunt them though. Yeah, certainly, uh, but there's also the, the the um, your GM may have may uh, rule that if it's a role playing encounter, you can't use the threatened stunt because that one is the uh, the uh, the enemy must attack you in some way on their next turn. Yeah, and that's what enrage is that's for. Enrage enrage is for. So, in that case, GM will probably be perfectly within their right to say that if you're in the middle of a role playing encounter, that enrage. Is what you'd need to actually like start mm. a combat. That would be a bit overpowered. Leave. Correct. Yes. Because you're not going to get like a mm-hmm. uh, a pacifist uh, mm-hmm. to straight up, you know, yeah. try you and could, murder you because uh, you used two stunt points. Could maybe use this one set up uh, mm. three stunt point combat stunt. Oh it, yeah, I yeah, can see that. Gives them a plus two bonus. It gives an ally on your next on their next turn a plus two bonus to an ability test of their choice. The ally is, must choose which ability test to use this bonus on before they roll the dice for yes. it. But yeah. hey, that's still pretty good. You can uh, 
say, be distracting somebody mm-hmm. and have them turn their backs in a particular direction. Yeah, a warrior so wants to. your s- friend can. Uh, <laughs> a warrior wants to set up the rogue, maybe, and get them and give them a bonus on that backstab, especially if they're having trouble or. Uh, True, and this is you could also. This is an ability test of your choice. Yeah. Could you use it as like a wingman or a wing person to set someone up on a date? Uh, well, they st- that person still has to make the test. Yeah, plus two bonus on the ability test yeah. of their choice. That person will get a plus two bonus on their uh, on their role to communication seduction. Yeah, there we go. This is a weird way to use it. I yeah. don't know. It just came up. It'd be fun though. <laughs> as long as everybody's cool with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't like the word exploit with that though. So you know. Right. What I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. But still, the idea of being able to uh, mm-hmm. sort of distract or uh, otherwise put off balance. Yeah, yeah. Another, you know, an opponent. So um, there's some cool. cool. There's some cool combinations you guys can try. Uh, feel free to experiment and talk to your GMs about which ones you can use. Uh, at some time, at, at which points, use use good judgment. If it feels yeah. like the stunt doesn't make sense for what you're doing, then you probably can't use it. And of course. Talk to your GM. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Yes. Um, next question is a pretty quick one. Uh, can I use a stunt more than once? And I get a lot of new folks uh, who are new to the game ask, like, you know, can I use like mighty blow more than once to get an extra another one d six on the damage roll? Nope. Uh, correct. Unless the stunt specifically says you can, you may not. That said, for that particular case, if you've got, uh, if you are a high enough level character to be able to get seven stunt points. Yeah. You could do Mighty Blow and, and lethal, lethal Blow. Blow. And then you'd be adding 3d6. Lethal Blow! That's also something that shouted at the house during the game night quite often. So much. <laughs> but, um, Usually yes. me, and I'm not the one doing it. Right. Uh, the stunt will specifically say whether or not you can use it more than once, and usually they'll include like a little plus sign next to the stunt point cost as like a quick reference for like which ones can be used more than once. Um, mm-hmm. So... Easy peasy. That one's quick. Um, what if I want to do something that is specifically a stunt? This is something that I, I thought would be worth worth talking about. Here. Yeah, this is a good question. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of things that you can uh, see. There are a couple of situations that where you're probably going to want to do something that is is a stunt, like flirt or enrage mm-hmm. or jest. Um, and the player might feel like they're a little cheated that they have to roll stunt points to be able to do those things. Technically, I mean. For some of those, you really obviously don't because their entire focus mm-hmm. is yes, correct, dedicated yeah. to these things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, stunts are just you know little extra little boosts yeah. that let you do extra stuff. Yeah, but suppose you wanted to knock someone prone. Yeah, I specifically. Per- yeah, and that was actually one of the things that I was thinking about because mm-hmm. I, I was actually talking to David. David was mentioning that uh, he he's a friend could, of ours, by the way. Yes, friend of ours, a fellow gamer, was mentioning was looking at looked at the rules and was a little upset that he couldn't, you know, that there was no like knock prone action, that there wasn't a disarm mm-hmm. action, uh, that they were relegated to stunts and you would have to roll stunt points to get them. Um, Especially if you have somebody who really mm-hmm. wanted to focus on that as a character, yeah, it would be important to be able to do that without having to rely on chance. Yeah. So, the, as uh, see the uh, the cornerstone rule of Dragon Age really applies here. If you're not sure what to do with it, ask for an ability test. Yep. Yep. Uh, you can probably even have the mechanics of this ability test work just like the stunt. Like in the case of disarm, make uh, an opposed attack roll, and if the PC beats that other person's attack roll, then they get to throw their weapon away. Um, you could make it less 
or as effective as the stunt to keep the stunt special or to uh, but but um the stunt is already kind of special because you're doing that as part of an attack roll. You're already yeah, you're getting, already getting to damage. attack someone. Yeah. This would be separate. Yeah. So if you're just going for the disarm, I'd, I'd say just give him a post test and let him. Yeah, give him give him a shot. Mm-hmm. Knock prone. Uh, the stunt is nice because you get to do it for free. But in this case, it would probably ask it would take for like up a, your. Yeah, it would probably be like a major action, mm-hmm. and you'd probably use you could maybe do an attack a post attack roll kind of like disarm, or maybe it would be like a strength might or a dexterity acrobatics or yeah. a dexterity brawling. Or I something. could see any of those being reasonable yeah. as uh, the required ability checks. Definitely. So uh, be creative. You can most certainly uh, do what you have to for those. Um, and this is something that is worth bringing up about stunts, uh, because stunts are so exciting and righteous, and there are so many of them, uh, we could talk about how to introduce stunts to players, especially new players. Folks who've never played Dragon Age, or folks who've never played any role-playing games at all. Mm-hmm. Having uh, four lists of stunts <laughs> can be a wee bit on the overwhelming side. I counted them a while ago. I think it was like 36, 37 of mm-hmm. them. I mean, and I, I know I'm somebody who also plays certain uh, 3.5 style games. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a bit biased when it comes to things like that. So it doesn't feel like that big a list. But if you were yeah. a beginner, I could see that making you uncomfortable. Like, it would take a while to know what yes. you wanted to do. You roll doubles on the test, and the GM's like, Hey, congratulations, you got stun points. Throws four lists at you. Pick <laughs> some of these. Pardon? Of course, then the player's going to be like, what, 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 Which one's good? <laughs> um, what are any of these? So, um, too many options up front is going to create analysis paralysis. And maybe even... Uh, if you give them like too much stuff, line. I like that rhyme. I like it too. I like it. It's not a good thing to happen in a game, but it's fun to say. Yes. Um, but um, you know, getting that analysis paralysis could potentially turn some folks off the game, or even scare them away. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if they're given too much complexity all at once, um, and expected to hurry through their choice. Correct. Yeah. yeah that definitely. adds some stress. Uh huh. So. Um, the core rulebook and us are going to recommend that you not only um, do this, not that you, you only uh, you work into the stunts slowly, like maybe during the first session, like during a combat encounter, um, debut the combat stunts and be like, say when you roll doubles, you can use these. Uh, go ahead and take a look, see what you think, uh, and then maybe and maybe you know, if a player casts a spell during that enc- during that encounter and they roll stun points and be like okay you've got a special little one right here just for casting spells you can take a mm-hmm. look at this one um, and you can keep an exploration and role playing stuff in the background for a little while um, uh, and you can gradually work them in like if the players are higher level and the players are feeling more confident uh, or if they more- ask yeah, yes, definitely. If the players ask, if or if you just or if they feel ready, go ahead and give it to them. Yeah. Another way that it could be that this particular issue could mm-hmm. be avoided is that you know many games or many different uh, groups like to have a character creation session, mm-hmm. perhaps session as zero. part of that, or even a session before that. Mm-hmm. Could be if you have a large number of players who are very new to the game, or perhaps very new even to role playing games themselves. You could have an entire session dedicated to here are the rules. Okay. Yeah. Give them, you know have lots of time. Make it a full session. Give them lots of time to learn the different parts. Mm-hmm. So they they could actually have a chance to go over all of the stunts, get to read them for themselves, and mm-hmm. then decide which ones best fit what they want to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. feel like that would work too. I like that. I like that. It's a good idea. Yeah. 
So, um, next we're going to address an issue that I've heard come up in the forums a couple times and from some other folks and that I experienced a couple times hmm. is uh, spending time selecting stunts. Um, try not to take too long selecting your stunts. Um, so, so like some folks will be like, will roll their dice and get like two five and get like five stunts of a draw, uh, five stunts and be like, yeah, yeah. Then they'll pick up the handouts that the GM gave them and they'll start like going down the list and be like, okay, if I do this and this, and then, oh wait, but what, I, I could do this and then this one. Uh, what do you guys think? Um, <laughs> they go down the list quietly by themselves or playing them out and then backtracking them because no, wait, I don't, wait, no, I want to do this one instead. Or, you know, asking the table for their opinion. It's going to slow down play a bit. Well, and that, the larger your group is, the more that's going to be a problem. It's true. We have a little tiny three-person group. Mm -hmm. And so, frequently, someone will be like, hey, should I do this one or this one mm -hmm. when it comes to combat? Yeah. And because, especially at this point, because we know what, as people, we know what each other likes to do. Mm -hmm. And as characters, we know each other's fighting styles. Yeah. We are pretty capable of, without a whole lot of meta, being like, well, you know, you can do... Say, for example, Katan, you can do perforate and pierce armor and mighty blow with those points. Mm -hmm. And then she can do it. <laughs> like we, are, we know some of the combos that she's good for and mm -hmm. that each of us are good for, and we're good at providing that advice. If you had a group of, say, six people, yes, that could get very hectic uh -huh. very quickly. Then each one of them is like, ooh, I got stun points. Um, what's his armor again? Uh, maybe I should take pierce armor. Yeah, what's his armor again really doesn't. That's not that doesn't. <laughs> you don't know what his armor is. Right, right. I mean, unless well, unless the question is, does he have a lot of armor? Because you can kind of tell that. Yeah. Is this guy wearing full plate? Uh, yeah. Maybe meta, I should go with that fierce armor. Yeah, oh, but this was a full armor. Yeah. Metagaming is a thing that happens in all games. And this yeah. is one of those places where it can happen a bit more than others in this game. So mm -hmm. be on the lookout for it. It depends on, you know, some, some parties really don't care as much. They're yeah. more in it for the sort of strategy aspect yeah yeah but m most people are big into the role play part mm -hmm. and it's just important to make sure that you're yeah. not mixing your uh mixing your colors a bit too much yeah so. yeah so um you try to have an idea of like what your character's favorite stunts are maybe or pick stunts that just feel appropriate for the situation or like things that your character might pick this time because mm -hmm. of the moment not necessarily that you'd pick later but kind of have an idea and just be ready to go when stunt points come up or uh, just have a couple of go-tos yeah. that you like. The best way to do this is, again, to be super familiar with the stunt list. Yeah. Be good it's to read really it. not that... It's As far as homework goes, it's really not that bad. It's true. Just know the stunts, know which ones are interesting to you, mm -hmm. make sure that you know how much your favorite stunts cost so that you can recognize when you want to use them and use them efficiently. Yeah. Um, special notes for level 11 and beyond. Ooh. Do not forget that characters always gain plus one stun points when they generate stun points at level 11. Uh, this gives you a maximum of seven stun points on a single test, which just broadens your options and increases your effectiveness. I forgot this until we hit level 13. And then I, looked in, I was looking in the book and I was like, uh-oh, guys... You should have been way more cool. We're already pretty cool. I don't know if this game could have tolerated us being any cooler. Wait, we should turn this cool up to 11. Because it was supposed to be at level 11. <laughs> it was supposed to be at 11. So now we turn it to 13. Mm -hmm. Now we turn it up to 13. It's cool. So don't, don't, don't be like me. Don't forget. It's fun. 
getting more stun points is always cool. And there are a couple of items and uh, talents that you can get you some more stun points, so be on the lookout for those as well. Um, And of course, when you hit level 20, um, you become epic. This probably won't be an issue for most campaigns. Likely not. Likely not. It'll probably be an issue for our campaign, at least. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... But uh, how the epic warrior, epic rogue, epic mage uh, abilities work is you gain one extra stun point of a specific type of stunt. You get to pick it when you turn level 20. You can choose to generate one extra stun point of combat, exploration, role-playing stunts. Is there not the option for spells for epic mage? Actually, I think, no, I think I think they do get the, more the choice of spells. Okay, because, I mean... That's an excellent health boost. Because I'm taking that. <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I think it's fair. I'm glad we, I'm glad we talked about that. Um, GMs may interpret this in multiple ways. Uh, they may interpret it that uh, I need to talk to your GM about whether or not uh, when you... We really you... seriously need to record that and just play it. <laughs> yeah, just have a button for it. Yeah, definitely. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that later. Maybe I'll Let's do that do for the next episode. Let's do it. Um, but when you generate stun points, you can spend them on the chosen type. And you spend them on the chosen type, you get plus one uh, stun point to spend. Or, um, like, some GMs may rule that uh, if you, like, pick exploration or if you, if you pick roleplay, when you roll stun points, you always get one stun point in the roleplay category. Uh, so you can always be bum off every round. Yeah, you can be snarky no matter what you're doing. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Although I like to think that mm-hmm. I like to do that a lot. Yeah, so talk to your GM about how this is going to be interpreted as you guys Definitely. do reach those epic echelons of mind of mm-hmm. power. And maybe talk to your GM about what's going on after level 20. You guys are going to go on your pleasures around. We might do that in my campaign. Mm-hmm. Maybe. We might be sticking to level 20. That's true. We, we might fine. be sticking to level 20 just because we're, we're starting to really come towards the end. Yeah, Especially there's we, not a whole lot left for us to do besides it's uh, true. take on the main bad guy and have a whole chaotic, nightmarish event of it. Oh yeah, it's going to be a good time. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh-huh. That'll be great. Yes. Uh, And finally, uh, we're going to remind everybody that uh, GMs have control over whether or not you can generate stun points on a given test. Most action-oriented tests uh, can generate stun points, but in more mundane scenes, the GM has every right to tell you that if you succeed a task without having to roll. You can't necessarily get stun points for tying your shoes in the morning. Correct. I mean, unless you really want to tie them quickly, then I guess that... Want to flirt with somebody while you tie them? Yeah, and be like the softiest shoe tire. Hey. Yeah, but maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. That's all I got. That's it. Uh, is there anything else we should bring up about stunts besides the fact that they're awesome? Uh, they're a lot of fun. They can really add something to your game. Mm-hmm. And if you're not careful, they can also drag your combat down to Definitely. a crawl. Or your role-playing. Or your role-playing. Yeah, literally anything. Yeah, so yeah. be aware that they're not the end-all, be-all, and that they're there to enhance your game, not yeah. really... They're not your primary source of action. They Definitely, are yeah. the icing on your cake. Definitely. So enjoy them. Surprise icing. Yeah, don't be like me and scrape all the icing off the cake and then just eat the icing. Yeah. I mean, that's tasty. I mean, yeah. But not now. Right. Not for you. Not this for analogy didn't no. go the way I wanted it to. Because <laughs> I realized that that was what I did. Mm-hmm. The cake needs a bit more time in the oven. Can you imagine my, my cake eating? No. I like Maybe. icing. And you like cake. So I, it I works like out icing. really well for everyone involved. It's true. It's true. I do actually have a best friend who's a pastry chef, mm-hmm. and I will eat her cake. 
yeah. all the time, every day, the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, I guess that would be the, the exception. I think we might talk about the uh, spell expertise talent in a later episode. I think we yeah. have, we've got an episode on we're going to talk about magic. Mm-hmm. Just like magic in general. I feel like that would be a better place for it. Yeah. But, Advanced um, spell stunts are not a likely thing to end up. They're not necessarily mm-hmm. guaranteed to end up in your campaign. Correct. And they are a rather complex topic with lots of different lists yes. and talents that go with it and activate different parts of each Correct. list. Five new lists of stunts, yeah. guys. There are a lot of moving parts to advanced spell stunts, but it's pretty neat. So we will definitely want to cover that yeah. in a later episode. We'll cover that later. More stunts on coming. It's going to be good. Um, but I think, I think that's all we got for you guys today. Yeah. It's, uh, like the stunts, this episode was uh, fleeting, but exceptional. Heck yes. Woo! Yeah. So thank you guys for being here. Thank you for joining us on the Wonders of Fetus podcast. Uh, again, if you guys have anything you'd like to send to us, any questions, any custom content, you can send it to our email. We love you all. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, Vinci and Gels and every variation thereupon. We love you all. Yes, very this, much. Yeah, but this is Ren uh, wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die. And this is Jessica wishing you good heels and happy heels. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope to see you. I hope, uh, hope you'll listen to us next time. Bye. Bye. Happy Halloween.